Today on the podcast, we're going to be going verse by verse through the book of Romans. Welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. friends welcome back so today uh, I, I had a little confusion it was as if I was missing a podcast and somewhere in there I had skipped ahead in the book of Romans well I discovered that I really had and so this podcast actually or this sermon takes place before the last one that I released so uh, this is actually Romans chapter 3 verses 19 through 27. And so I'm sorry about that. I'm not entirely sure how that happened. Um, I have a master copy for each sermon uh, that I that I uh, preach at Calvary Chapel Berthoud. And somehow one of the uh, uh, sleeves for for the master copy CD was mislabeled. So <laughs> there was a little bit of a confusion. But anyway, we got it figured out. And that is what you're going to hear today. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Kind of slick this morning. Driving to church this morning. I got a I got a pickup, but it's not four-wheel drive. And I mean it was every single corner. Back in with sliding all over the place. It was a fun morning. But uh, anyway, so today we're gonna be in the book of Romans again. Um, we're going to be covering, well, starting in chapter three, starting in verse 10 of chapter three. And um, let's Go to the word in prayer real quick. Father, thank you for bringing us together today. Thank you for getting us here safely. Um, but it, it was really slick this morning. We praise you for that. We ask that you would also help us get home safely today. Um, Lord, speak through your word today. Glorify your name. It's, uh, what we're talking about today is, is a positive thing. It's amazing. Uh, we're finally getting to the apex of Paul's argument here. We're getting to the point where we find out who is the Redeemer and why we need him. And it's, it's such an important message. Uh, Father, speak through your word. Glorify your name. And uh, may your church be built up in this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, what's that? Okay. Lights? Okay. Huh. I didn't even notice, but yeah. Okay, so the last uh, few weeks, we good? Ah, right. There you guys are, okay. <laughs> right. You guys, you guys are the righteous saints because you drove today. Everybody else didn't show up. You know, we'll just all call them pansies next week. We'll tell them how unrighteous they are. So, uh, yeah, we're in Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3. Like we've been talking about, Paul has been making a case. His case is that he started with the Gentiles, and he was showing that you Gentiles cannot measure up, no matter how good you are, no matter how many good works you have, and how much you avoid the bad works, you cannot measure up 
to God's perfect standard. Then he moves on to the Jews. You know, you can almost feel the Jews perking up and, yeah, that's right. You know, you go get them, Paul. You tell them dirty Gentiles, you know. But then he turns his, his guns on the Jews and, and shows them, look, guys, you can't measure up either. And uh, as we've discussed in weeks past, there was kind of this, this thought that uh, because they were Jews, that they were at a right standing with God. So, you know, they didn't have to worry as much about these things. They got their sacrifices. They've been circum- circumcised. They're God's chosen people. They got it. They're good. And Paul makes the point, no, even them. They need, they need something more. They cannot measure up. And so uh, I'm going to reread, uh, starting in verse 10. I covered this last week, but I want to cover this again. Uh, Paul says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not one. Okay. So, I mean, he's, he's making it very clear. And just like I've, I told you the uh, last time I taught, three or four weeks ago, uh, Paul, as he's addressing the Jews, it wasn't so much when he was addressing the, the Gentiles, but when he starts addressing the Jews, man, he is backing up everything he's saying with Old Testament references. Everything just about that you can see where he's addressing the Jews. You can trace it back to an Old Testament reference. Really cool. That whole passage is another one. And uh, as he's going here, he's going to continue to use those today. Um, Another thing we noticed last time is that he's addressing a bunch of objections that he either is anticipating or he's probably received before, okay? This is not new to Paul. I mean, he would go to the synagogue every every Sabbath and he'd be reasoning with them and uh, showing them from the scriptures Jesus, okay? So he's seen a lot of these objections. And so, right off, right, uh, right off the bat here, verse 19, sorry, so I told you we're going to start in verse 10. I was lying. Uh, it's verse 19, we're going to start there. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. That is an Old Testament reference, uh, loosely. Uh, You can find it in Psalm chapter uh, 107, verse 42. Uh, It says, The righteous see it and rejoice, and all the iniquity stops its mouth. But God's law stops the world's mouth. Uh, As you guys have mentioned this many times, Danielle and I, we used to have lots of Mormons coming to our house. Um, In fact, if you ever want to have a ministry, Joe, you want to have a ministry to the Mormons, go to the Mormon bookstore and buy something really small. Doesn't matter. A pencil or something. Uh, Look for Moroni books. They'll ask for your email address and your phone number. And they will cross-reference your name with a registry. And if you're not in there, you better believe it. You're going to have some Mormons on your doorstep. Home delivery! They will come straight to your house. (laughs) Okay, and they will catch you off guard, and and I I am totally going off-road on my uh, notes here, but uh, when they show up, they'll catch you off guard. You know, you're probably going to have hair sticking in all directions, and you're not going to know which way you're going, Uh, but that's okay. Just say, hey, guys, I really want to talk to you, but I'm busy right now. Can we set a time? And then you get yourself prayed up, studied up, invite them in, 
serve them some brownies. Do not serve them coffee. Okay? <laughs> and uh, and witness to them. Okay? That's, that's time that those missionaries are not out on the street. Now they're hearing good stuff. Okay? But anyway, we would have them over, and uh, we had a lot of good times. I had, we, this went on for about three years, and now I'm blacklisted. They never come to my house. <laughs> so they, they actually they sent out some elders from I don't even know where. And a whole team of them came to my house, and that was the last time they ever showed up. These were like the big boys. And um, I was really neck deep in apologetics at the time, so I knew everything to say. So it just, they, they were like, well, okay, don't call us, we'll call you. And uh, <laughs> we never came back. But um, anyway, these guys were in my living room, and uh, one of these times they were trying to convince me that uh, the Father is just one God amongst this long line of infinite gods. Yeah, yeah, you didn't, a lot of you guys probably never heard this before, but they believe that uh, God, our God, the Father, is a man of flesh and bone, okay, that used to be just a regular dude, okay? He just lived a good life, and he uh, lived by the rules and managed to become an ascended God, basically. He got his own planet, and he became God of his own planet. And... Um, so they're trying to convince me of this, right? And they took me to some scriptures. Uh, they, they, they have a couple that are taken way out of context. And we, we looked at them, and I applied hermeneutics, okay? Properly dividing the Word of God. Do you guys understand what hermeneutics is? Maybe one of these days we'll have to do a course on it. It's pretty cool. It's a bunch of steps that you can go through when you're reading God's Word to understand what you're seeing there. And hermeneutics, it helps you divide the word. It helps you understand what God is saying. And it works for just about anything else you're reading, too. But um, anyway, I tried to look at the passage and show them that the passage is not saying what they're saying it's saying. But they wouldn't have it, okay? A lot of times this cult programming kicks in, and they just kind of restate things, and it wasn't happening. And in the flesh... I started getting a little bit aggravated, and it was like, all right, I'm going to beat these guys down with the Word of God, you know, okay, you guys have probably sensed that uh, my heart was not in the right place at this moment, but I don't know, God might have used it, who knows, but uh, I took them to uh, some scriptures, and I started with Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10, and I read this to him, I said, okay, guys, I'm going to read this to you, tell me what it means. I said, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. Remember, they believe that there's an infinite regression of gods. God had a father, and his father had a father, and his father's father had a father, and on it goes, ad infinitum. So, now, at this point, I quoted this to him. I, you know, tell me what this means. They look like a couple of Amish guys trying to do electrical work. I, you know, they were completely stumped. They were just like, okay. And uh, before I could give them much of a time to respond, I was like, okay. If, and I asked him, I said, uh, guys, if there are other gods out there, do you think the Father would be aware of them? And at this point, they were still reeling from what just happened because they, they're not showing that scripture. It's just something they don't see. And so I asked him that, and I think 
they could sense that a trap was coming, but they didn't know what it was. <coughs> and they kind of reluctantly, they said, uh, yeah, no, if, if there's other gods, then the Father would know about them. And then I quoted on this passage. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 8. I said, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and have declared it? Uh, you were my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? No, there is no God. I know not any. And they were done. <laughs> okay? God's word shut their mouth. Their, their mouths were stopped. Now, in context here, we're talking about God's uh, law shutting people's mouth. But it's the same idea. Like, they were completely stumped. That was pretty much the end of that visit. Um, I didn't see that particular team of Mormons ever again. I ended up getting assigned with another team the very next week. So I don't know if they got reassigned or what, but it, that was done. So, um, you know, as a little rabbit trail, though, guys, my tact was way off. I was doing that in the flesh. I was getting aggravated with them. Realize that when you're witnessing to people, they're going to feel your heart coming loud and clear through your words. And this is actually a huge weakness for those who study apologetics. It's a big hole that we fall into uh, is that we start getting this frame of mind like, you know, I could shut anybody down. No, that's not the point. It should be to save people. It, it doesn't matter if you win the argument. Who cares if you won the argument? If you're not, if you're not actually speaking to their soul and drawing them closer to Christ, you lose. So keep that in mind. A little side note, a little rabbit trail for you guys. But um, God's law shuts the mouths of, of uh, the world. And um, I think one of the ways it makes this so clear, have you guys ever heard of uh, Ray Comfort, Way the Master? Seeing some heads nod. He'll go out on the street with his team of people. It's, it, if you guys haven't seen this, you really got to check it out. There are hundreds, literally hundreds of videos on YouTube. If you just type in Way of the Master Street Witnessing, hundreds of videos where they'll walk up to people on the street with a camera and a microphone, put it in their face, they'll start talking to them about whatever, doesn't matter, kind of shoot the breeze a little bit, and then they'll swing things to the supernatural. And they'll ask them a question. Do you consider yourself a good person? And of course, yeah, everybody is like, well, yeah, of course, you know, I'm a good person, you know, I don't lie too often. I'm pretty nice to people. I mean, I don't kill anybody. You know, pretty soon they're, they're getting as low as saying, I'm not like Hitler. You know, and so they, they'll try to establish their own righteousness. And then the, these witnesses, these uh, evangelists, like, they'll take them to the Ten Commandments. And they're like, hey, let's go to the Ten Commandments. Let's see how you measure up to God's perfect standard. And they'll ask them, have you ever told a lie? And, of course, everybody has. Well, what does that make you? It makes you a liar. Have you ever stolen anything, even if it's something really small? Well, of course, even you guys. Everyone in this room has stolen something, right? It makes us a thief. You know, have you ever taken God's name in vain? Yeah, of course. I think everybody has. Have you ever looked on somebody of the opposite sex with lust in your heart? That's adultery. Okay? And then... These witnesses, these evangelists will be like, if you're judged by God's perfect standard, what do you think he's going to do with you? And of course, their mouths are shut. They're stopped right in front of the camera. It's awesome to see. And, you know, and it works. 
it works every time. Um, and so, yeah, you guys got to check this out. It's a really good approach to evangelism. If you guys have never gone out there and tried to witness, or you know, you don't have to be on a street corner, right, witnessing. You can be with friends, family, coworkers. We're supposed to be ready at all times to give an answer. We're supposed to be out there sharing the gospel and bringing people to Christ, bearing fruit. And so that's one tactic. It's a very good one. There's a lot of other good ways, good approaches to evangelism, but that, that one's just a lot of fun, and it does shut the mouth of those who are listening. So um, anyway, moving on. So Paul's establishing here that the law does shut the mouth of the world, and he goes on, he says, um, where train wrecked. Verse 20, therefore by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So now we see what, see Paul is working these Jews and Gentiles that are listening, he's moving them to the conclusion. And he's shown them that they can't measure up. Well then, okay, well then what's the law for? The knowledge of sin. It's so that we can understand how utterly sinful we are, okay? Uh, in fact, it, it reminds me of Galatians chapter 22 verses, um, well, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 3 verse 22 to 24. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Some versions say schoolmaster, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. And so the law shows us our need for something more because we can't do this on our own. We don't measure up. So verse 21, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And so, Paul here, again, just like he's been doing repeatedly, he's bringing people, these Jews, back to the scriptures. This stuff, that he's, he's working up to a moment where he's going to deliver the most clear and concise um, uh, synopsis of the gospel here in just one more verse, okay? And so, he's saying, guys, Righteousness, apart from the law, is something that was witnessed by the law and the prophets. The law being what? First five books of the Bible, the Torah, okay? Also known as the Pentateuch. I'll test you on this after. <laughs> um, and, and the prophets, what are those? The prophets. <laughs> Ezekiel, Micah, Isaiah, Daniel, uh, Jeremiah, all those guys, Zechariah, Zedekiah, uh, the, the Italian prophet Malachi. Um, and uh, so these things were witnessed by the law and the prophets. And, and, you know, Paul's backing up his case. That's what he does. He's trying to establish, guys, this is something that you have seen before. This is not something new. This is something God's been slowly giving to you in types and shadows and hints and prophecies throughout the Old Testament. Your scriptures are speaking of this righteousness apart from the law. So, um, like I mentioned in the outline weeks ago, gosh, that's months ago now, um, I think I need to start one of these off again where I just go through the outline. Where are we at? What's going on? You know, 
But in chapters 4 and 5, we're going to see Paul show what justification is, and he's going to illustrate it in the lives of Adam and Abraham. Really quick justification, quick test. What's that? It's a justified, never sinned before. You're justified. At the moment you trust in Christ, you are justified. Your sins have been covered, basically erased. You're not going to be... So you're saved at that moment. If you die at that moment, you're going to have heaven. Sorry, don't want to say that. <laughs> and uh, sanctification happens the moment... Or I'm sorry, it's a, it's a process that you go through throughout your life where God is cleaning you up. Mixing myself up here. Um, so righteousness apart from the law... We see that in the lives of Adam and Abraham. We're going to see that in uh, chapters 4 and 5. But just for fun, I'm going to give you some examples, too, from the Old Testament. There's so many of them. You could do a couple sermons just on the different types of shadows, prophecies, and examples of righteousness being established apart from the, job, uh, the law all over the Old Testament. But uh, Job, he was looking forward to this moment. In uh, chapter 19, verse 25, Job said, for I know that my Redeemer lives. Check this out. This is a really strange thing he says. And he shall stand at last on the earth. That's pretty cool. Redeemer. Redeem. What does redeem mean? Well, I took that to Webster, and he came back to me and said, to buy back, repurchase, to get or win back, to free from what distresses or harms to free from captivity by payment or ransom, to release from blame or debt, to free from the consequence of sin. Hmm. Makes me think of somebody. Right? <laughs> Isaiah chapter uh, 53, verses 5 and 6. It says, this is concerning this Redeemer, whoever he is. It says, uh, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen, right? Right? So even in the Old Testament, that's just a couple examples. We see that there is this Redeemer that's coming that's going to help us establish righteousness apart from the law. So, moving on to verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Difference? Difference in what? Jew and Gentile, right? He's still dealing with this issue because the Jews still kind of have this ethnic salvation concept that, you know, has been establishing itself for over a thousand years, right? So, there is no difference. Guys, and... You can say that about any people group. We, nobody has any salvific advantage over another group. It doesn't matter if you're white or black or whatever. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. It doesn't matter what you are. You don't we're all the same before Christ. Okay? We don't get an advantage over somebody else just because of some special standing. Well, I'm rich or I'm powerful, whatever. No. We're all the same before Christ. There is no difference. And so he goes on, and this, this is where he's starting to really get it, guys. This is where 
if I'm not careful, I'm going to be running the aisle with a tambourine screaming glory here in a minute. Okay? He's going to get to the essence of the gospel, and I love this. So he, he ends with this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then this next section, I'm going to read all three verses, okay? Then I'm going to have to go back and dissect it. I, there's so much to say here, but if I just read a couple words and then stop, you guys are going to lose it. So I'm going to read the whole thing. We're going to go back and take it piece by piece because it's really good. So he says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Amen. So, first we see that we're justified freely by his grace. By grace are you saved, through faith, and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a free gift. You don't work for it. And so, he starts right off with that concept. Okay? But then he says, I should bring this over here just so I can reread it. He says, uh, through the redemption, and there we have that concept of the Redeemer. There was a reason why I brought you back to Job. Um, a Redeemer. Jesus is that re Redeemer. Um, he bought us. He paid for us. He set us free. We are free from the consequence of sin. And then it says, God set him forth as a propitiation. Boy, that's a big word. What does that mean? Okay, so uh, propitiation, easy for me to see it, say, good grief, I'm just stumbling all over it. It carries the basic idea of appeasement or satisfaction. Okay, it, there's, there's two parts to uh, propitiation. It is the appeasing the wrath of an offended person, and then being reconciled to them. Make sense? My wife and I recently, we, uh, as most of you guys know, we took an awesome Hawaiian trip. We were there for uh, our anniversary, and that's why people seem to think we've got a perfect marriage. <laughs> uh, actually, I booked the whole thing. She had no idea where we were going. She did, all she knew is we, we had a little time block off of work, and we were going somewhere. She had no idea what we were doing. It was pretty awesome. Anyway, we went to Hawaii, and yes, we were there during the uh, missile attack. That was, that was a grim 15 minutes. I'll tell you what. We got the text. Everybody else got the text, but that's not my point. So yeah, I'm sure people are going to want to know. Yeah, we were there. That was crazy. Um, but anyway, while we were there uh, in Hawaii, and Russ could probably tell you more about this than I could, not many, not very many at all, but some of the people there still worship or at least acknowledge this uh, fire goddess, Pele. And um, Pele supposedly is the, is the fire goddess, so she's responsible for the volcanoes, among other things. And the volcanoes, of course, made the island, right? So um, across the island, there are different spots. We're at the big island, if you guys are wondering. There's different spots where there's uh, natural vents, and it blows out really hot, steamy air. It's kind of cool to go stand over there 
uh, and, and just breathe the air. But it's believed that that's the very breath of Pele. And so some people will leave offerings, little uh, offerings for appeasement uh, to this fire goddess Pele. And, uh, you know, it, all over the world, no matter where you go, you're going to see that. You're going to see those types of things. When we were in China, we saw uh, various offerings and, and appeasements to relatives. Um, just weird little shrines. You go to Mexico, you see little shrines all over the place, all kinds of stuff in Mexico. Uh, even, even to the, the goddess of death, Santa Muerte. You know, the, you see a lot of the kind of thuggish kids walking around with the shirt with the woman that's got kind of like a skeleton on her face. Yeah, they'll, they'll leave like oranges and packs of cigarettes and alcohol for her. Like she's going to drink it or something? I mean, seriously. But that's appeasement, right? That is a, an attempt at propitiation. But we know that none of those gods are real. But our God is real, okay? And Jesus, he became that propitiation. Again, he appeased God's wrath and we were reconciled to the Father through Christ. Okay, how does this happen? Paul goes on, he says, through his blood. Okay, now, at this moment, the Jews' jaws have hit the floor because you know, this is really the first real mention of Christ's blood being a propitiation, a payment for sin in the book of Romans, okay? And so those Roman listeners are hearing this, and the Jews are like, okay, hold on, hold on, because for a thousand years we had the sacrificial system, and now, wait, through Christ's blood? Okay, and so through Christ's blood, we're made right before God. Through what he did on that cross. And so, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a fun study, too. I mean, if you... To look back at all the ways that Jesus is pointed at in one way, shape, or form in the various customs that you find in the Old Testament, whether it's through the feasts, man, the feasts, they just, it's just Christ. It's all about Christ. There's so many things about Christ in those feasts. You look at a lot of the, the Mosaic law, and in one way, shape, or form, a lot of it is pointing forward to Christ. Not all of it, but a lot of it is. I bet Bill and, Bill and Patty could go for days on that. Um, I've got some podcasts online that talk about it. I did a, a series, um, I don't think I've ever told you guys this. The podcast is called Youth Apologetics Training. People keep walking up to me and they're like, Who's, what's your podcast? What is that? If you go to Sermon Audio and you look for either Michael Bohm or Youth Apologetics Training, there's about 600 and plus episodes on anything and everything all over the place. Creation, evolution, cults. And I did a series on the feasts and uh, it, was, it was pretty fun. So there, there's so much there. There's really so much there. I've completely derailed myself. Um, <laughs> and so anyway, through his blood, um, through faith, right? Because we have to trust in him in faith um, to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. I was, you know, in the New King James, it says passed over. I was really hoping that was a kind of a little sly reference to Passover. It's not. It's actually wasn't there. Bummer. <laughs> that would have been really fun. But uh, no. But um, 
God stands out. I just mentioned this when we were praying this morning. God's outside of space and time. He knows all the silly, stupid things that we do. He knew about it back then, still does. He knew what you guys did yesterday. He knows about the stupid thing when you guys are going to end up doing this afternoon. And he knows. And when we sin, don't think it caught him by surprise. Like, he, he actually knew you were going to do that. That's comforting and terrifying all at the same time, you know? But just realize, too, you know, if you're down in the dumps about something right now that you did, well, God knew you were going to do that. Stop it. Don't do it again. But he knew you were going to do it. So get up, dust yourself off, keep going, okay? Praise God for what Jesus did on the cross some of you righteous people just, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's just so many things we do in our lives that if we got what we deserved, it would be not good, okay? But um, anyway, verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The just and the justifier. Eh? What, what's he getting at there? God is just. He must judge sin. When, you, when we sin, he's a perfect, perfect holy God. Sin must be dealt with. God is just. Justice will be served. Right? But he's the justifier. God himself comes, lives a perfect life, doesn't sin a single time, humbles himself, right? Lives a humbling life, uh, he works a carpenter job, and many times he's uh, compared to a servant. He's servant-like. And then he undergoes horrific beatings, insults, and the most cruel, unusual, painful death you can imagine to justify, to pay for our sins. You sinned, justice must be served. I will pay for you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And so moving on. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got to say this, too. When you see stuff like this, he's just and he's the justifier. You know, so many atheists out there in the world, they want, they want us to believe that God is just some angry, bearded guy sitting on the edge of his seat, just, just leaning over and looking to smite the next person with a lightning bolt who disobeys him. You know, just, you know. This angry God. No. You see what kind of God we're dealing with here? Yes, he's just. And justice must be served. And he's willing to pay that. That we might spend eternity with him. That's a loving God. That is an amazing God. So we do good things. And we avoid sin. Not to be saved. We do it because we love him so much. Because he's that awesome. And so moving on, verse 27, where is the boasting then? <laughs> it is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Um, this obviously reminds me of uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I quoted it earlier. For, for grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest any of us should boast. Okay? We're justified freely by this grace. The natural man 
hates this idea. Okay, we, we want to build ourselves up. We want to be like, yeah, look at me. I did all this. I'm the guy that had the good works. We want to be recognized for our merits. That's pride. And, and, it, and it's funny. Justification by grace alone, it rubs people. Many t- a lot of people don't come to the faith because of this reason. Because they want me. You know, they want people to recognize them. My merits. My awesomeness. And so... Uh, we're going to finish with this verse. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. We're going to elaborate a lot more on that next week. Um, but the world over, any and every other faith, it is a do faith. It is, I must do these things in order to gain God's favor, to gain salvation or eternal peace, or, you know, in some cases like nirvana or some release. It's always about doing, 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 not Christianity. Our faith consists of a real man, not legend, a real man in real history that came at a specific prophesied time, lived a specific life that was prophesied through uh, the text of our Bible, and he died that we would be justified freely not by our own works, not by anything we could do, but by what he already did. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you have uh, given us this justification that we don't work for it. It's just something you did. And we can have that for free. God, help us to still live lives that honor you with everything we do. We love you so much, and we, we want to bless you back. We want to um, please you with our very lives. God, we want to be that, vis- that vessel that is fit for the master's use. So God, work in us, change us, mold us, renew us, make us the people that you would have us to be. All right, so we'll stop right there. Uh, guys, I'm sorry. It's, it, the, the podcasts have not been cranking out again. Uh, I took a vacation um, a few, well, three weeks back, and our last stop was France. And somewhere in France, I picked up a nasty uh, flu or something. It's got to be a flu because it's, it's held on for three weeks. Um, I've been to the doctor three times. In fact, it got so severe uh, one night, uh, I ended up with a migraine that was was by far, as far as the pain scale goes, it was it was a ten. This was a perfect ten. I've never experienced pain like that. It actually landed me in the hospital. So um, I don't know if you can hear the roughness in my voice. I am still fighting this thing. Um, I've been through uh, two rounds of antibiotics. Then yesterday I went to the doctor and got a third round of antibiotics. And uh, anybody that's been following my podcast long enough knows I hate pharmaceuticals and I especially try to avoid antibiotics, but uh, I've just been deathly sick. Well, the third round, I had an allergic reaction to it. And so uh, last night, I was at our church trying to install a security system and suddenly I was covered in hives, head to foot, 
covered in hives, on fire. My face was bright red. My skin everywhere was bright red. I itched. Uh, it's been a really fun ride. Um, so anyway, um, if you find time, uh, pray for me uh, in your prayer time, and uh, I'll get over this. I will get over this. But uh, anyway, that is my excuse. I apologize. Um, anyway, with that, we'll stop here, and I love you guys, and I hope to see you next week. Sing it out loud.